Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So it's Thanksgiving weekend. I trust everyone is rested. A couple of laughs, right? Uh, I trust you're full. You've eaten way too much, and I also trust that in your email box, you've probably gotten one or two advertisements about some sale going on. I don't know if you saw, my inbox was completely full of advertisement after advertisement, but I saw one that enticed me. Do you ever go to the site Temu? Why are you laughing? So if you didn't know, I didn't know this, but if you just equate, like, we're all familiar with Amazon. If Amazon's like the target of online shopping, Temu is like the dollar store. And so I, this quick thing popped up for Temu. Uh, it was an advertisement for a journal. I'm, I'm a sucker for paper journals. And I saw this thing, and I was like, you see that on the left? It's like a buck 91 or 350. I was like, well, you got to be kidding me. 350 for a journal? So I click on it, right? I've got high hopes. I click on this thing. Here's the screen that I saw. Next. You ever have those moments where you've got a high level of hope? Like maybe this thing will play out and you cl- and it doesn't happen. You ever had those? Uh, if the online thing doesn't work, how about this? You drive up to a fast food restaurant. They've got this fancy screen that shows you the burger that you're going to get. And it looks amazing. And then in reality, and that's generous, that in reality picture, because some of the things I get, not to knock them, some of the things look like there's an explosion in the box, right? You, you, you get a high level of hope, and then something changes, and disappointment creeps in. It's not just advertising or things that you buy. Uh, all of us lived through covid a number of years ago where, you know, COVID's rampant around us and time after time people are telling us, they're trying to do their best and they're telling us, put your hope in this, whatever this is, masks, medicine, time off, couple of days away, whatever it is, put your hope in this, things are going to get better. And now advance a few years and we realize some of the very things we were told to put our hope in and we put our hope in just weren't helpful. Wouldn't it be great if there was something that didn't change that we could put our hope in, like God's Word? Right? That's where we're going this morning. The unchanging nature of the Word of God is worthy to put our hope in. Let me give you a couple of verses to sort of lay a foundation. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. God's word will endure beyond the season that you're in, will endure beyond the presidential election. God's word is going to endure. Psalm 119 says it this way, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Jesus even invites us literally 
to live on the words of God. Here's what he says in Matthew 4.4. 4. It says, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are we living in such a way that we're living on the words of God, as Jesus instructed? It's sort of a challenging nudge when I read that scripture. And even when I, I, I looked online at the state of how important is the Bible today? Is it, is it truly God's word? Is that what people believe? I found this uh, quick survey. It's from Gallup. It's a 10-year survey from 2002 to uh, 2022. The numbers aren't getting any better. That top line is asking people, is religion important? It went from about 60%. Now it's at 44. It's still declining. That bottom line is, is the Bible the actual, is it re- the actual recorded words of God? It starts out sort of abysmal, a little bit to, uh, below 30, and now it's at 20%, and it's declining even further. How many of you believe, like really, how many of you believe that if you put your trust in God's word, your life would be better? Raise your hand. I actually wrote in my notes, Steve, don't expect everyone to raise their hand. Right, we chuckle at that, but the reality is I think we're living at a time where we end up putting our hope in things, in the daily craziness. We end up putting our hope in things that will not last, that don't prove true, when in reality we have the unchanging words of God. That many of us would say, no, this is true, this is, my life should be attached to this. So I want to I poke just a little bit about the unchanging nature of God's word. We're actually in this series. I'm finishing this series. The, the series is called Unchanging, and it's looking at our yesterday, today, and forever God, the unchanging nature of God. And I, you can't do a, a message series like that without talking about the unchanging nature of God's word in the Bible. Now, I realize when I uh, do a sermon on the, on the Bible, there's probably a few groups of people in the room There might be a group of people, you read your Bible regularly, that's amazing, keep doing that. Stick with me in this message, because I think I'll, my hope is, is that I'll challenge you in new ways. I also realize there's probably a group, and based on uh, previous services, I know there's a larger group, that's probably, you want to go deeper in the Bible, you want to start, or maybe restart in Scripture, but you're struggling, maybe even stuck, And and so today, I I want to, in just two verses, I want us to anchor into why we should and give some practical ways of believing that this book, God's recorded words, are helpful to us in our lives. So I'm going to look at Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, just two verses. I'll read them twice. This is where we will anchor ourselves today. It says this, every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. I'll read that again. Every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. In those two verses, I'm finding some things that are helpful as I reestablish 
my desire to get in God's word, for it to be a, a, a guide to me, for, for it to be something that I can trust in the craziness that we live in in our world. So before I unpack what I see, let, let me pray. Let's pray for the message this morning. So Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I, I so deeply desire this community to digest, to consume scripture. So help us this morning. I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what I see in these two verses for today. You can write this in. God's unchanging word is reliably pure. Reliably pure. Verse 5, it says, every word of God is flawless. Everybody say flawless. Flawless. It means that there's no issue with it. There's, there's no extra added to it. It's, it's pure. When that word flawless in Scripture is used, it's used several times. It's normally used in like a process of refining metal, like precious metal. Like you, you, you put gold in a furnace and, and the, the junk within the gold, the dross sort of comes to the top. You scrape it off so you have pure metal. An example, Psalm 12, 6 says this, in the word, words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. That's what God's words are. They're flawless. He delivers them purely. They don't need changing. There's no corruption in it. There's no falsehood in it. There's no deceit in it. God's words are pure. What God promised he would do in the past, he did. What God promises he will do in the future, he will deliver on. I want to just to stop for a second. Do, do we realize that we have, in paper form or electronic form, the written words of God in history and how he points to things that are helpful for us today and helpful for us in the future? We have more access to God's word than in any time in history. Many of us have it in our pocket on our cell phone. We can pull it up literally anywhere. It's, it's mind-blowing. I was talking to someone just recently about this, and one of their questions, that he was just, uh, he was not a Christian yet. We were discussing the Bible, and, and one of his questions was, well, that's all great, but how do we know that the Bible is true. Like it's, it's probably a good book, but how do we know it's true? Well, if we just read it, right? Read the Old Testament. Thousands of years recorded of history where God from the Old Testament is prophesying or telling that at some point in the future there would be a Messiah, a coming kingdom. That he was going to send someone to save us. And literally there's... there's many, but let's say there's 300, there's probably a little more, 300 of those promises or prophecies that someone is coming, and then that someone comes, Jesus. So literally 400 years or more before Jesus came, there's recorded history that there would be a man who came, who did what Jesus did, and he fulfilled 300 of those prophecies or more. Like, that's unimaginable. And so I was going through this, and then the next question he asked was, well, how do we know that Jesus was actually true? 
But Jesus was alive, and like, how do we know that? And I love this quote. It's from Dallas Theological Seminary. One of the professors there, he writes this. On the basis of manuscript evidence, we can say that we have a thousand times more evidence that Jesus Christ existed than we do that Alexander the Great existed. What the Bible has written, what God put in written form is true. Not only historically, but it's true in the heavenlies. Like, it's true. Do the research yourself. I remember, uh, this was probably 27 years ago, I was not, I just had become a Christian. Like before that, I had gone to church a few times a year, either with my parents or with other people. I would have called myself a Christian, but I was not. And finally, married my wife, and and finally, like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I kept hearing, well, you you should read your Bible, you should read your Bible, you should read your Bible. Okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible. So I read uh, the book of Genesis. You ever read the book of Genesis? Like the first couple of chapters, fine, get it, right? You heard sermons on that. But you get to like chapter four, just the Nephilim, or, or like God floods the entire earth, kills humanity. There's guys that are married to multiple wives. What is going on? Right, and so I'm reading this really for the first time in earnest. I can remember one night laying in bed with my wife and I'm, I'm reading and I look over and I'm like, what in the world? is going on here? Like, is this, is this true? And her encouragement was, keep reading. Just keep going. And so I, I would keep going, and then the small church that we were at, I was in a, a, a men's group, and we would meet in the library of this church, and I, would, I, I, I am certain I asked hundreds of questions, and some of those questions were silly, but really it was, is this true? How does this happen? What does it mean? And they didn't have the answer to every question, but it was literally, their encouragement was, keep reading. And now I can say, 27 years later, I'm not perfect at this, but when I read this book, and when I try to align my life to this book, to God's word, my life is pointed in a better direction. Not just that, my day is pointed in a better direction when I start my day off with God's word. Second Timothy says it this way. Second Timothy 3, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. The servant of God is just not pastors in the room, it's for all of us. All scripture, not just one book, not just one verse, not just the verse of the day, all scripture is God-breathed for all those things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, for all of us, for every good work. Well, what's every good work? Well, it's you being a good neighbor. It's you being a good employee. It's you being a good boss. It's you being a good spouse. Everything in your life could benefit from the guidance of God's word that is flawless and never changes. Proverbs 30, it's so flawless and pure. It says this, the word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. God's word is not going to change. I don't know how the conflict in Israel is going to turn out this year or next year. But I know that when I read God's word and about what he promises, that's a place that I can rest in while the world's in conflict. I don't, 
do you guys realize that a year from now we're going to be in the middle of a presidential election? Who's excited about that? Probably not many. Some of you might be, but, but just historically, if we look at the last few, I wonder a year from now whether there will be news stories about, yeah, we went through the election, but I'm really not sure who's president yet because of all this, this, that, the other, right? There's going to be this weirdness. In those moments, my encouragement is God's truth and his word and his kingdom is so much better to pursue and focus on than the mess of the world. Psalm 119, you're my refuge, my shield. I've put my hope in your word. God's word is worthy of putting our hope into other than all the other things that the world would entice us to put our hope in. What are we, where are we putting our hope? Right, we want to say Jesus, we want to say the world, but really, if we were to really boil it down, are we putting our hope in the government? Are we putting our hope in sleep, in Starbucks, in government subsidies, in tax breaks, in my own strength? All those things can be helpful, but when we put our hope in those things, they are temporary, they will change, and at some point we will be disappointed that that super special drink at Starbucks isn't getting made anymore. The, the, putting our hope in God's word, his unchanging word, is the rest and the peace that our soul needs. You can write this down. In a confusing world, am I putting my hope in God's unchanging word? The world is confusing. I don't think it's going to be any less confusing next year. Just heads up. That's not a prophetic statement. It's just reality. A couple of warnings. If we don't do this, the Bible tells us, 2 Timothy 4 says it this way, for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And those myths will not last. They will end up being disappointing. But what I find is people surrounding themselves with things that are not in Scripture. And they're temporary. Here, here's another uh, warning, Jeremiah 8, 9. The wise will be put to shame. They'll be dismayed and trapped since they've rejected the word of the Lord. What kind of wisdom do they have? The wisdom of the world is temporary and non-fulfilling long-term. The wisdom of God and his word that will never change is worthy to put our hope in. So God's unchanging word is reliably pure. Second thing I see in this text is God's unchanging word is resilient to modification. Resilient to modification. Verse six says this. It's really clear, right? I, I don't need to tell you what it means because it's so clear. It says, don't add to his words or he'll rebuke you and prove you a liar. That's really clear. Don't add to his words. Do we add to his words? How do we add to his words? Here's, here's a few examples. I'm sure you, you never do this. You've probably heard it when people say, but a loving God would never fill in the blank. 
Loving God would never do that. Or we might say, I'm sure God really doesn't mean to love my neighbor because he's a knucklehead. No, I think he does mean that. Or, or here's a more personal example. I've, I've had several situations in my life, several seasons that were uh, challenging. Uh, we had a daughter who passed away just a, a few days after she was born. My wife was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. And so these challenging seasons, in both those seasons, I had people tell me, well, God will never give you more than you can bear. Anybody ever heard that? You know what verse of the Bible that is? First opinions one. It's not in there. Now you can come to me and say, well, actually, Steve, it's just a little bending of 1 Corinthians. Yeah, I get it. I looked at the verse. It's not in there. And the thing about when people tell me, you know, God will never give you anything that you can't bear. Here's the problem with that sentence. Because you've added to Scripture, what that means is that God sent those bad things, and I don't believe that. The other thing when, I, when people tell me that is, God will never give you things that you can't bear. It means that in those seasons that are crushing, it means, well, I should have more strength and I try to muster up in myself the strength to do that. And in reality, I'm not strong enough. You read scripture and you see people who are in these crushing seasons. They're not strong enough. What do they do? They run to the Lord. That's what the Bible, God's word says to do. Now, I get it. You read God's word and there's some confusing stuff. Man, I, I get it. But we're not supposed to add to it, even if it's confusing, even if it's challenging. A few verses, Deuteronomy says this, Deuteronomy 4.2, don't add to what I've commanded you. Don't subtract from it. Don't subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord that I give you. Second, Peter Peter is writing about Paul's letters to the churches, and he says this. Peter says, Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Amen. Read some of his letters. And he goes on, he says, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. If we begin to distort and twist God's word, it will lead to our destruction. I don't want to twist God's word. That's the very scheme that the enemy used. You, you want to see somebody who's twisting scripture? Look at what Satan does in scripture. Beginning of the book of Genesis, God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and tells them, the land is good, don't eat from that tree. Satan rolls up. He says this, Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? It's not what God said. Satan is twisting words. He's bending scripture. Jesus, you look at the New Testament. Jesus, uh, 40 days in the wilderness, Satan comes to him and three times tries to tempt Jesus. One time is recorded in Luke 4. It says, if you're the son of God, this is Satan speaking. He said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. Again, Satan is using God's word but twisting it. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus says, it's said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Every time Satan tempts him, Jesus says, it's written. This is what God's word says. This word is flawless and pure. It's, it's useful for everything, including this moment, and this is what it says.
So when, when we think about God's word and then we have preferences or opinions that don't align, we have preferences, opinions, maybe about marriage or gender or sexuality or leadership or our money or whatever it is, and we've got some opinion that doesn't align with scripture, the reality is what we should be doing, instead of bringing our opinions and our preferences to bend scripture, we should use scripture to then bend our opinions and preferences to align with what God says. I think we would be way better off. We would be less confused. Teens, young adults, all of us would be less confused about gender, sexuality, money, leadership, what's going on in the world if we took our preferences and opinions to the foot of Jesus and read scripture and said, okay, this is true. Let's do this. So what do we do with all this? If God's word is pure, if we shouldn't add to it or subtract to it, let, let me give you some practical things. The, the reason I'm adding these two practical things is because I really, I mentioned this earlier, I deeply desire this community, us, to get in our Bibles and read and live out the words of God. In the world that we live in, that's the hope that we should be placing in our lives is God's word. And so I wanna give us some practical things. The first one is this, you can write this down. So what practically can we do today and after? We can consume scripture. Consume scripture. I could have said read scripture. That's not strong enough. I could have said study scripture. I don't think that's strong enough. I think it's consume scripture. I want to st- we're all consumers of something. Some of us consume television, some of us consume social media, podcasts. I want us as a community to consume God's word. Because when we consume it, it gets in our heart. And then when it gets in our heart, we speak of what's in the heart. So our whole, our whole person changes. Consuming scripture. I, I was talking about consuming scripture with young adults a few weeks ago. I, I spoke there. And I had this rant. It wasn't in my notes, but I had this, uh, I went off topic, and just this realization as I was speaking, I don't want us to consume Scripture because we have to. I want to do it because I get to. I get to look at the Bible and see what God said to see what he promises in the future. I get to look in the Bible and see what he thinks about me to give me guidance through my crazy day. I get to hold God's word in my hand and turn to a page and go, wow, that is so relevant to me today. I, get, I don't have to, I get to. So where do we start? Like it's, I know some of us, I've been talking to people the, the whole weekend, I know some of us, oh, it could be a rant. I love that we get uh, apps on our phones that can give us a verse of the day where we get notified, hey, the verse of the day is this. Here's the risk to verse of the day. We are consuming scraps at a table that has literally the banquet of God's promises and we're settling for one verse in a day and it is not enough. My encouragement is to consume it. So where, where do you start? Anywhere. Start in the crazy book of Genesis. Many times I'll tell people, you know what, if you have no place to start or you want to restart, read the book of Luke. It's a gospel. And then read the book of Acts. 
like back to back, because it's written by the same person. And he was a physician, and at the beginning of the book of Luke, it says, hey, I'm a physician, and I'm writing this to give an accurate account of what actually happened. Get a plan and a habit before the, before the first of the year. Just start. Consume it. So what's the other practical thing? Invite someone to read together. Invite somebody to read together. If you're consistent in your Bible reading, awesome. Good for you. I love that. Encourage you to do it. But if you want to get deeper, I'll give you a little side story. That Years ago, John Wimber, who first started or, or part of the Vineyard Movement, People would come to him after he gave a sermon and go, hey, John, uh, when are we going to get deep? Where's the meat that the Bible talks about? When are we going to get to the meat? Maybe you're thinking about that for today's sermon, too. And what John would say, he'd look at him and go, well, if you want the meat, if you want to go deep, the meat's on the street. It's a really weird way to say it, but what he meant, what he clarified was, you want to go deep, go find someone that's not reading their Bible Sit down with them one-on-one and start exploring a book of the Bible and have them ask you questions and it will drive you deeper than you could ever imagine. Here's uh, the reality. You you can read a few chapters a week with somebody, right? You ask them, hey, this might sound weird, but do you want to read the book of Luke with me? A couple of chapters, we'll just ask. You don't even have to have the answers to all the questions. But it will drive you deep. I've met with Uh, a few guys every week for the last year, and we just talk about what they're reading, and it has driven me deep into Scripture. Here at the church, the staff uh, all participate in this thing we call discipleships. If people are exploring the Bible or exploring Christianity, we invite them one-on-one. Let's read a book of the Bible for like four, six, eight weeks, and I believe for our staff, we have gotten deeper in Scripture because of that. Those are two practical ways to engage in the flawless words of God. And here's the reality. When we consume Scripture, when we invite others into this, what we will find is we will read God's promises and we will see and experience more of God. When we pray, we will hear God more clearly. When the world is going to pot We will put our hope in something else and the promises of what God said, and that's worthy to put our hope in. And so it's worth us this morning considering what our next step is, to to not rush out into the Sunday and just think, okay, that was a good whatever. But here's, there's like a, a little blank, right, at the bottom of your handout. My next step is, and I want you to consider for 30 seconds, we have time, For 30 seconds, maybe less. What your next step is? Is it to read a book of the Bible? Write it down. Read Genesis. Read whatever. Maybe it's inviting a person into a discussion about a book of the Bible. So I'm going to pray, which sounds right. We're not going to close. I'm just going to pray while you consider that. You ready? The baby is ready. (laughs) Baby's got her next step, do we? Let's pray. So Father, I pray that all of us this morning would have a next step that we would not be stuck, that you're inviting us to a next step. So if there's a book of the Bible that you want us to read, help us to write that down. If there's a person that you're prompting us, even if we're scared to do it, that we should be meeting with 
in talking about a book of the Bible, help us to write that person's name down and motivate us, Lord, to follow up. God's unchanging word is reliably pure and it's resilient to modification. Why don't we stand as we close? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.